don't give, we miss out on an opportunity to experience God's grace in giving. God doesn't need our money, but we need his grace. That's what I've learned. God doesn't need my money. I need God's grace. And when I learn that I can trust God with my finances, that sets me free. And for so many of us, we are not free because we're not willing to experience God's grace in our finances. Money is never anyone's favorite subject to discuss at church, but it's a topic that needs to be taught. Today, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God has a great amount of blessing waiting for those who trust Him by giving. If you haven't been sharing your resources, today may be the day to start. Have faith that what God has promised is true. He'll provide all you need and will pour out blessings for all you give. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 25 as he continues his message, Worship Matters. As a church, we're not focused on giving, but it would be an error if I didn't talk about giving when it comes up in the Bible. Because I believe that giving is an outlet of spiritual power. It is. And the reason we don't give very much is because we're stinking selfish. Let's just be honest. I'm from New Jersey. We're just selfish people. We're the most wealthy nation in the world, and we are just selfish to the core. We are. All of us are. And that's why I believe God prescribes giving for us. Now, someone will always say, doesn't it say, doesn't it say that we should be a cheerful giver? I don't want to give because I'm not cheerful when I give. Some of you feel that way. You know that you're just trying to get out of it. I've always said this, you got to fake it till you make it with God sometimes. There are some times when I don't want to do what I know I'm supposed to do. So just because you don't feel like doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You should do what you ought to do and say, God, I'm going to obey you. You need to bring my heart around. You need to bring my heart around. We should always be cheerful givers. Why? Because everything we really need has been given to us in the first place anyway. Not one of us has any bit of means that wasn't a first, a gift. Maybe you're like, oh, well, nobody helped me. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I got all this stuff. No, no, no. The air that's in your lungs, it's there by gift. The beating of your heart, it's there by gift. The fact that your heart is still beating today, it's there by gift. Your ability to learn, your brain is a gift. Any skills you have, the aptitude for that skill was given by a gift And the desire and ability to hone that skill is a gift. So everything we have is a gift from the Lord for all of us. And so for each one of us, because everything we have is a gift, we should also be givers. Listen, I realize that when it comes to offerings, giving of our finances to the Lord, I'm just talking about specifically finances for them, them giving gold and silver and thread and all the stuff, that's... They didn't have a lot of the currency that we have. They had all these other things. When it comes to giving financially, I realize for every single one of us, it is a step of faith, but I believe it is a step of faith that we ought to take. 
And we are more blessed to give than receive. And what you find that when you give, when you give, you will have more joy than if you kept it. And those of you who are givers know exactly what I'm talking about. There's nothing quite like when you give, especially out of your lap, and you watch someone's need be fulfilled, you're like, that is more enjoyable than keeping it for myself because I don't really enjoy it anyway. So something happens when we take money off of the throne and we put it on the cross and we let our money be an outlet for spiritual power. What's interesting about the children of Israel is right here he asked for an offering. By the time you get to Exodus 36, verses 5 to 7, listen to what it says. And they spoke to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout all the camp saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Wow, right? They had told the people to stop giving. Stop giving. Now, statistics in America, and I'm sure that Crossroads mirrors it, about 5% of the people give a tithe to church. So what that means is that 5%, 5 out of every 100 people give on a biblical way in the average church. If you look at the statistics from Crossroads, I'm pretty sure we're running about the same number. And guys, I'll be honest with you, as your pastor, as a brother, that's just no good. It's bad. It's bad. Now, I'm not here to judge anybody, but I'm just here to tell you, when we don't give, we miss out on an opportunity to experience God's grace in giving. God doesn't need our money, but we need his grace. That's what I've learned. God doesn't need my money. I need God's grace. And when I learn that I can trust God with my finances, that sets me free. And for so many of us, we are not free because we're not willing to experience God's grace in our finances. Now, people will always say at this point, and I'm going to hit this and go, people will always say, well, I'm already in such a bad shape. Should I start? And I always say the same thing. Maybe the reason you're in such a bad shape is because you've never honored God what you're giving. And people don't like that. It's like, well, how can you tell me to give when I, I'm, I can barely make it? I'm here to tell you the reason you're probably not making it is because you're not giving. Because if you're faithful with the little things, God will give you greater things. Now, we don't give. Listen, there's a whole other side in Christianity that tells you that if you give, God will give you more. And the only person who ever gets rich is the guy who's asking you to give. Right? They're the guy who's got all the, the gold and everything and everyone else is poor. Don't give to get more stuff. Give because God gives. And as you give, watch how God will use you as you give and watch the joy that you get. And give is unto the Lord. And we don't give to get. That's giving to yourself. Don't do that. Just give unto the Lord and be a cheerful giver. Be a cheerful giver. And I want to encourage you, read Malachi chapter 3. God challenges the people Because people say, oh, man, I can't do it. God says, one, you're robbing me. And he says, two, test me. Only time ever in the Bible God says, test me. He says, if you give, I'll pour out a blessing you cannot contain. That's what he says. So I'm just here to say, I want you just to simply respond to Jesus with that. 
My own personal life experience is that I got saved before I ever made any money. I was working a minimum wage job and I learned how to tithe and, and, and I've never, I've never, ever, ever not given and I've never, ever, ever missed a bill in my entire life. That's been my experience. So I can stand here as a brother and say, look, I've had this experience and I've seen God be so faithful. It's mind blowing. I had one of our pastors in our, my office today and we were talking through all this stuff and I'm like, listen, part of learning how to be a pastor is learning how to walk by faith. And if you don't have those God stories without trying to manipulate to pay the bills when you're serving the Lord, when you have those God stories, then you can really lead people. But most of us want to manipulate things. So I remember what it was like making $500 a month as an intern and the Lord saying, I want you to work full time at the church and my rent was $500 a month. And getting paid on the 30th day of the, or the last day of the month and writing a $50 tithes check and being like, how am I going to pay my rent? Because I already gave away 50 bucks of my 500 bucks and my rent was 500 bucks. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't miss rent not one time. And I'll be honest, God provided in some really radical ways. That's been my experience. And I believe that we are blessed when we give. We're more blessed to give than receive, as Jesus said. And I believe that as, as Christians, I believe we have an obligation to give cheerfully as unto the Lord. Why? Because the cause of the gospel, we are recipients of such great grace. And we have an opportunity. I mean, we're talking about reaching unreached people groups. Do you think it's going to be cheap to get missionaries into restricted countries? No. Do you think it's going to be cheap to feed the starving people in the world? No. Do you think it's going to be cheap to get clean water to people who don't have access to it? No. But do we really need the extended package on our television? Now, don't get me wrong. I think if you give, I've heard it said this. If you give 10 to the Lord, then you should be able to enjoy the other 90. And I think that's really true. I don't think having an extra TV package is wrong, but there's nothing worse when someone says, how can you tell me to give? How can you tell me to give? And they're texting me from a smartphone. You know what I mean? You're just like, we get emails all the time from people. It's, you know, in a large church, Everyone has an opinion on everything, obviously. It's a beautiful thing, actually. We, I remember one time, Pastor Bill got this email from a woman. She was very upset. She came to Crossroads. She was very upset that some of you drive cars that aren't falling apart. She went on and on about how we're not honoring the Lord and all this stuff. And then she, in the bottom of the thing, it says, and sent from my iPhone 5. <laughs> I was just like, wow, you know. But let's be honest. It's not that we can't give. We just choose not to. We choose not to. We choose not to. And I believe that we're missing out on the grace of God. I love this because God told the children of Israel that they should give. They should give willingly. So I'm not forcing you. It's between you and God. I don't look at anyone's tithes records anyway. I don't know who gives what. I know that God knows what we all give. I know that much. Give willingly. Give willingly. And for the children of Israel, they had more than enough. They made them stop giving. And I'd love as a pastor, I'd listen, everyone, no more tithing. Stop. Give it to other churches. We have too much. I'd love that. That would be like the greatest joy in my life. Seriously. So I, can, you, can you bless me with that joy one of these days? I'll just come up and be like, listen, stop giving. It's, it's, stop. Give to other people. We're fine. I want to be able to do that. I think that had to be fun for Moses. Okay. So first, cheerful giving. Next, notice all the things that they're supposed to give. Gold, silver, bronze. We have, between verses 3 and 7, we have 14 different materials. Okay? 
Gold, silver, and bronze. You guys know what that is? Blue, purple, and scarlet thread. You know what that is? Fine linen. Pretty cool. Goat's hair. Makes some sense. Goat skin. I don't see too much goat skin styling going on, but they used it then. Ram skins dyed red. Notice badger skins in verse 5. Some of your translations have seahorses or dolphins. Some would say that it's either a dolphin skin or potentially a manatee skin in that Mediterranean region. There were some of those type of animals, so it was some sort of a fish thing. Mine says badger skin. There's a lot of dispute over exactly what that is, but most scholars would say that, you know, my, the New King James says badger skin with a note that says dolphins. So some sort of a, a sea animal skin. Of course, you have acacia wood, or if you're in the King James, it says shittim wood. And I just wanted to say shittim wood in the pulpit just because I could. But for those of you King James only, it's just in the King James. So verse six, oil for the light. We're going to talk about all this. You guys forgive me. I'm just quoting the King James. Come on. The King Jimmy translation. That's right. It says shittim wood, right? Amen. Blame King James. I didn't do anything. Okay, so we have 14 different things that we got there. Now, notice, notice verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. I love that. Let them make me a sanctuary. That word sanctuary, it's the word sanctus in the Latin, which means to set apart as holy, to be sanctified. It means so that I may have a sacred place. That's what sanctuary means. We call this the sanctuary. Literally, it means a sacred place, a special place, a place that's set apart for the things of God and for the work of God. Why does God want a sacred place, a place to be set apart, that I may dwell among them? And this is the beginning, the preparation for the people that Jesus Christ, God's only son, God incarnate, would become a man and live amongst us. It's right there. It's right there. God wants to dwell in the midst of us. A fallen, broken creation, God still wants to take up residence with us. And in verse 9, according to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishing, just so you shall make it. Now, notice the pattern is very important to the Lord. And most people would tell you that this is what you would call an architect's model. God is giving Moses a blueprint, a blueprint of exactly what he wants the tabernacle to look like. And he's saying, look, these are the blueprints. I want you to do it exactly the right way. And I think that's beautiful because we find that all of these things are going to point to Jesus. Every single piece of furniture is going to point to Jesus in different ways, in a million different ways. And it's absolutely It's breathtaking when you look at it. But God wants his people to be obedient to what he has revealed to them. Now, I think this is very important. I think it's very important because we have God's word and God's word has revealed very specific things to us. And I think it's important that the things that God has revealed to us in Scripture, we don't need to ask God if we should do the things revealed in Scripture because they're right there for us. Now, don't get me wrong. There's all sorts of things that aren't in Scripture that God does, gives us liberty to make decisions on. And on those things, I think we need to seek the Lord and we need to live based on our own conscience. And we don't believe in any way to start to legislate things that God's Word leaves open-handed. 
But the things that God's word doesn't leave open-handed, we absolutely would say the best thing that any one of us can do is live our lives in response to the plain and simple teaching of scripture. And so I want to encourage you once again to be obedient to the book. I was talking to someone just this week and they were saying, Pastor Daniel, I mean, I get the Bible and it's God's word and all stuff, but it was written a long time ago. And I'm like, do you think humanity's really changed, although the circumstances of our lives have changed? Like, has the heart of humanity, is it really any different? Has humanity evolved in a heart way, in any way? Any of you in here history buffs? The same stuff goes on. This, in every generation, sure, in one generation, they're doing fighting with swords. And in another generation, they're standing line to line with muskets. And then now you have smart bombs and something else. But in the end of the day, men still go to war against other people. And they do it for pretty dumb reasons most of the time. You know, it's the, the heart of people have stolen from each other forever. I mean, Cain killed Abel because Cain was jealous that they both made an offering to God. God liked Abel's offering. So Cain got mad at Abel and he killed him. Anybody in here know jealousy? Yeah, it happens. Crimes of passion? Yeah, they happen. And I don't expect many people in here maybe were involved in those. But, I mean, it happens. People have been the same way. Adam and Eve, God says, look, I want you not, you can eat of everything. The first thing God did, Genesis 2.15, is he gave them liberty. Eat it all. It's all for you. And he gave them one prohibition. One. You can eat everything except that one tree. And which is the one that they want? Right? Anybody know what that's like? It's like, you, yes, you can have a blast, but just don't do this one thing. And the one thing is the, it nags at you. I just want to do that. Just want to do that. Even though God didn't say no to eating anything. He just said, you can eat everything else, just not that one thing. It's just amazing. It's like, you can drink all the stuff that you want. Just don't drink this to excess. And we're all like, yeah, hey, we're going to go drink that thing to excess. You can have tomato juice, fruit juice, even a little soda here and there. You know what I mean? Water. I mean, it's all iced tea, Arnold Palmer's. I mean, coffee, chamomile, peppermint. You just don't drink this one thing to excess. We're like, yeah, hey, we want to go out and do that. And see, and this is the human condition. And so, once again, as it always comes in the Bible, we come back to the simple thing of obedience. Will we be simply obedient to God's revealed word? Will we be obedient? Will we simply say, yes, Lord? Will we just simply say, God, okay, I'm going to do it? Like things like it says, if you will not forgive, then you will not be forgiven. So can any of us hold on to unforgiveness? Yeah, we can. Should we? No. Why? Because if we're in here today and we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God has forgiven us way more than any ill someone did to us, no matter how horrific. Now, does, forgiveness doesn't mean you give them the opportunity to hurt you again. That's actually the most unloving thing to do is enable somebody to sin against you. That's unloving. But none of us should harbor unforgiveness when we've been forgiven a much greater debt. But it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? So again, remember where we started with giving? Fake it until you make it. Seriously. 
Commit to forgiving somebody and say, God, you need to bring my heart around. I know I need to forgive. I know I must. Because Jesus said, if you do not forgive others, how can you understand my grace? Remember, Jesus used the example of the steward. Remember, one guy owed a lot of money and his master forgave him. And he went to a guy who owed a little bit and he threw him in jail and the master got so mad. I forgave you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he threw this guy in jail for 50 bucks. Are you kidding me? And that parable is meant to speak to us because God has forgiven each one of us. The best person in here has been forgiven an infinite debt. And the things that people do wrong to us are real and they hurt, but in scale are much smaller than what God has forgiven us. And if we have received God's forgiveness, then God says, look, I want you to be as proactive in forgiving. And I realize that for some circumstances and situations, forgiveness almost seems impossible. And I want to encourage you to say, say, Lord, I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to forgive this person, but you need to bring my heart around because my heart's not there yet. But what happens is when you give it to the Lord, you say, God, I'm going to forgive and I want you to bring my heart around. You know what happens? God starts bringing your heart around. And when you release that unforgiveness, now you're free to love people again because that unforgiveness, it's like a bitter root that absolutely kills any fruit in your life. And it's interesting. I wasn't going to get into that, but we're here now. And so I think this is for some people, you know, I think this is for some of us in here that the unforgiveness that you're harboring in your life right now, it's literally choking out all that God wants to do. It is. And you know, what's interesting. You know that it's true. You're here tonight and you know that it's choking it out. And I'm here to tell you, just as God has forgiven you, I want you just to give forgiveness. No, do not let people who hurt you hurt you in the same way. That's completely unloving. That's not biblical at all. But you can set up boundaries and still forgive people. Just as God let you off the hook, let them off the hook. And say, God, I want you to bring my heart around. And I believe that as we do that, as we take that step of faith, just like the children of Israel when they went to cross the Jordan, the Jordan didn't split until they stepped in. Abraham didn't know where God was sending him until he started going. God didn't tell him where he was sending him. They took a step and then God met them on that step. I believe that's a word for some of us in here tonight. God's grace is so amazing that he would save you and me. That blows my mind that God would forgive me for all that I've done. Not only everything I've done in the past, everything I'll do in the present, in the future, he took it all on the cross. I didn't even ask him to do it. He did it on his own. He swallowed it for me. He paid the price for me. And because he paid the price for us, we should be willing to pay the price for others. Because we love with the love that we've received from him. We just pass it along. Jesus is... Pastor Daniel discussed today the liberties you have in this life. There's a lot to enjoy in this world, but God has placed certain restrictions on some things. He's given you guidelines for how and what will give you the most life in this world. These restrictions protect you. God knows what will harm your heart. Trust Him as you seek to follow His plan for your life. He knows how to give you life and life to the full. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. 
Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will describe the pieces of furniture God requested for his tabernacle. These intricately designed objects were a picture of his love and provision for the Israelites, as well as a foreshadowing to the bigger agenda, salvation. God is always planning ahead and sees the entire future laid out for you. You can trust that his design for your life is intricate and beautiful. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Tabernacle. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.